1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. We're continuing our series of messages through the writings of the Apostle John. Earlier this year, we went through John's gospel account. Uh, we also covered the book of Revelation. And now we're in the epistles of John. John wrote the epistles to Christians, specifically to address false teaching that was entering the church. Uh, some people were claiming that true believers have a secret knowledge or some special knowledge about Jesus that doesn't come from Jesus himself or the scriptures. Now, there are two false premises. This is known as Gnosticism, uh, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M, Gnosticism. Uh, the, the two false premises are, one, uh, Gnosticism teaches that all matter, all physical matter is inherently evil and all spirit is good. Uh, it doesn't matter if you sin in your physical body because your body is, is material and all physical matter is considered inherently sinful. So uh, it's, it's almost this um, uh, ticket to indulge in sinful behavior. Uh, the only thing that really matters in, in Gnosticism is the spirit, and they, they just suggest that anything of the flesh, uh, anything of physical matter, is sinful. The second false premise of Gnosticism is that it teaches that true followers of God have this elevated knowledge of God and uh, that doesn't come from Scripture, doesn't come from Jesus. And so with those two false premises, um, the outcome of that is that ultimately it rejects the incarnation of Christ, uh, the foundation of uh, the advent of Christ, Christ coming into the world and dwelling in our presence, and uh, and and uh, that he has no sin himself, but yet he took on flesh and walked in our midst. Now, before we jump into chapter 3, I, I want you to know that there's a correlation uh, between chapters 3 and 4. So there's going to be a little bit of uh, starting out in chapter 3, moving to chapter 4, moving back to chapter 3, back to chapter 4. And the reason for this is because the Apostle John, as he's writing, he writes in such a way, uh, almost like an artist, where he paints a picture of some themes and then uh, goes back to those again and again and again. Uh, so it, almost think of it like a, a spiral staircase uh, where he keeps circling around and circling around to the same themes. And that's what we're going to see between chapters 3 and 4. We're going to see this correlation. Chapter 3 gives us perhaps a command or our actionable step. And then chapter 4 gives us the reason why. Uh, we should do those things. So we're, we're going to toggle back and forth uh, between those two chapters. So let's just jump in. Let me give you key point number one. We'll unpack it from the scriptures. Key point number one this morning is this. John helps us understand what God is. He is love. John helps us understand what God is. He is love. Now, this is not the only thing that God is. God is spirit. God is truth. God is love. God is, God is all of those things. Uh, but specifically, John is telling us that God is love. That's, that's one of the things that he is of his very essence. So let's look at 1 John chapter 3. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Now John makes reference to the time of Christ's coming for his church. God loves us, uh, and God's love 
for us is now. It dwells within us, and he, his love will continue to transform us into his likeness. The love of the Father is going to transform us. Let me give you an example from my own life. When I was two years old, uh, my mom uh, remarried, and my sister and I were adopted by her new husband. Uh, to put it bluntly, my mom's first marriage ended uh, because my fir her first husband was uh, was abusive. Uh, he physically beat my mom. Uh, he had extramarital affairs, child molester. I mean, he is the epitome of uh, many things that are just pure evil in this world. And when my mom remarried, I was adopted and given a new surname. Uh, since I was given a new name, one of the things I, I never wanted to do is I never wanted to do anything to soil the name Dorch. That name was given to me uh, out of uh, love for my dad. He, he has adopted me into his family, given me his name, and I didn't want to do anything uh, that would that would dishonor his name. I wanted to make decisions that would honor my father because I bear his name. And I don't want to do anything that would damage that name, uh, even in the small community in which we live. I mean, he gave me his name. Now, to me, as I think about that and I look at it, it's a, it's a beautiful picture of the gospel. I mean, God's love should change us. He has given us uh, new life. He has given us his name. We bear his name. And because we bear his name, uh, we should want to honor him and honor the name that he has given us, the, the name of Christ. We bear his name as Christians. And because of that, his love should transform us to be more like him. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. Well, let's continue then. As I said, we're going to toggle back and forth a little bit uh, between 1 John chapter 3 and chapter 4. So let's toggle over to 1 John chapter 4. Here's what it says. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into this world, but by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Let's just pause there just for a moment. A lot, lot there to unpack. But let's just look at a, at a few key aspects of this. Uh, one is that this idea by this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Again, he's addressing this false teaching of Gnosticism, where they are rejecting the incarnation of Christ. This is a beautiful time of year in which we celebrate the birth of Christ. We celebrate his incarnation and coming into the world. And the, these people uh, who are teaching Gnosticism in the church are rejecting the very advent of God coming in the flesh. And he says that, listen, every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh, it's, that's of God. But if that spirit does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh, that's not of God. So he is telling us that anybody who rejects the incarnation of Christ, that he has come in the flesh to dwell in our midst, that is not uh, of the Holy Spirit. That is not of God. That is a spirit of the Antichrist. 
He says, and this, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. What's he talking about? Is he, he's not saying that the Antichrist is already in the world. He's saying that the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. In other words, the, the sentiment, the teaching of the Antichrist. Well, what is the teaching of the Antichrist? That is to reject the incarnation of Christ. He says, uh, you know, when he says, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, it's the sentiment, it's the teaching, it's that false teaching. Antichrist doesn't just mean against Christ. It's a, it can also be like um, uh, instead of or in place of or a false substitute. Uh, these are false teachers that, who are, are teaching something that is contrary to what is of the Spirit of God. And uh, he is saying that the spirit of the Antichrist, the sentiment and the teaching of the Antichrist is already present in the world. Let's pick back up at verse four. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are, they are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. Let's pause. There it is. God is love. Keep in mind, this is not just merely an attribute of God. This isn't something that God just possesses. When the scriptures say God is love, the idea here is that love is his very essence. It's part of his, uh, his character, his nature of who he is. Uh, and it's not just merely something that he possesses. One of my favorite pastors was the late pastor uh, Warren Wearsby. And he once wrote, quote, much that is called love in modern society bears no resemblance or relationship to the holy spiritual love of God, end quote. I, I think that Pastor Wearsby is spot on here. In a world that is attempting to redefine everything from, from love to marriage to women, uh, it's, it's important for us to understand that we cannot redefine something that God himself has already defined. In other words, we don't determine what love is. God does that. We don't determine what marriage is. God does that. We don't determine what's right and wrong. No, God and God alone gets to make those definitions. For example, if we think about this for a moment, why is murder wrong? What makes murder wrong? Well, in a secular worldview, the argument might be made that, well, it's because it causes harm to someone else. But in a biblical Christian worldview, the reason that murder is wrong is because ultimately it's rooted, uh, the idea here is that everything that is wrong is contrary to the person, nature, and character of God. For example, because God is life, anything that would take life should be understood as immoral. If we murder, that's wrong. We don't want to take life. We don't want to murder someone. Why? Because out of the character and nature of God, God is life. He produces life. He sustains life. He gives life. And then to take a life, to, to murder, 
is wrong because it conflicts with the person, nature, and character of God. You see, we don't just get to defi define what is right and wrong. What is right and wrong are determined based, based upon the person, nature, and character of God. So let's look at another consideration. Why is lying wrong? The reason lying is wrong is not just because you've, you've said something that is untrue to another. It's wrong because God is truth. Because God is truth, anything that is not of God, not of truth, would be lying. And therefore, it's contrary to the person, nature, and character of God. Why is hating people wrong? Because God is love. And because God loves people. He loves people. Why? Because he created them in his image. So it is the person, nature, and character of God to love. And if we are hating people, we're not, we're not demonstrating uh, you know, the character of God. We are not reflecting his goodness. We are not reflecting his love. We are not reflecting the truth. We are not reflecting life. Those things flow from uh, the person, nature, and character of God. So anything that is contrary to that, anything that conflicts with God's nature and his character, those things are sinful. And what is John doing here in this first section that we've looked at? John is explaining that God's nature is that he is love and that that love should transform us. And if he is dwelling within us, then we will reflect his character, his nature, which is what? Love.